swing and a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High in the air. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. We appreciate everyone uh, joining us tonight on whatever platform uh, you are following us on, on your daily commutes in your office. We appreciate it immensely. We are downloaded in 29 countries according to podtrack.com so we are a global podcast tonight with me uh andrew dwan and al nahigian we have a pretty action-packed show tonight it's going to be quite the challenge to get it all in here within the next hour but how are you gentlemen doing well how about you terrence i couldn't be better really uh you know Steady flow of uh, baseball news starting to come through now with daily activities and hoping everyone's healthy, but, um, you know, we'll certainly get into everything. What's going on, Al? Long time no talk on this podcast. Long time no talk is right. It's been a while since I've been on here, but uh, it's almost like my spring training. I got to get my hacks back in, so uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back on. Get the timing in. We were just on the Small State Big Takes podcast, our our little buddies over there, and uh, that was hyped up to be a bloodbath and uh, didn't quite live up to the hype. And I think I blew it because I was kind of snooping around through their old tweets, kind of looking for, you know, stuff to sling at them. And I found a terrible Nathan Avaldi take, and I accidentally liked it by accident as I was scrolling through it, and they they figured out what I was doing. They even they even tweeted at me like, we see you lurking here, Terry. And I, I was like, I don't know if that screwed up, you know, if that sketched him out or not. But uh, the fireworks were canceled on that show. But uh, you, 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 uh, you still might have a rivalry. Just you, not me. I love those guys. But you still might have a little bit of a rivalry with uh, those small state big take guys. So oh, I don't yeah. know. I, I love them all, you know, Oliver, I want to, you know, give an atomic wedgie and, you know, haul his underwear up over his head. Is it Oliver or are you confusing him with Gilly again? Oh, no, Gilly's up there. I, see, I get along great with Steve. The, the other three, I just, I Josh and I got into it at the end. That was the closest we came to slugging it out. But, um, but Gilly and I go back and forth quite a bit and, uh, it's my favorite Homer podcast for sure. Uh, we don't have much of that around here. So, um, but I will say I am cautiously optimistic about the long term, not so much uh, the short term. And speaking of ugly topics, Brock Holt signs with the Milwaukee Brewers pending a physical. I don't have a dollar amount on that. I'm super curious. We brought Moreland back for $3 million, so I'm wondering if it was, if it was in that range. I, I much rather would have had Brock Holt between the two, but what were you guys' thoughts about him now definitely not coming back with the Red Sox? Um, I was sad. I was very disappointed because Brock Holt was a very good clubhouse guy everybody loved him he just brought good energy good morale helped team chemistry and i honestly think that if they brought him back for another year with everything that's gone on maybe brock holt could have been a little bit of the glue that sort of kept that clubhouse together to almost have a familiarity in a sense but it is what it is it sort of felt like this whole offseason he'd be gone so best of luck brock holt thanks for everything thanks for helping with 2018 but you do you man andrew yeah, you know, I, if he had to go anywhere, I'm kind of happy he went to Milwaukee. 
Same. Uh, one of those teams where I have literally nothing against them, like watching them play. So I'm, I'm glad for him. I hope, I'm hoping it's a, at least a three-year deal. I, like you said, haven't seen any financials on this. So I'm hoping he got a nice little uh, chunk of change here. And I'm a little surprised that it took to this point. Uh, it's really late in the offseason, obviously spring training uh, ramping up here. Uh, I thought he, with his versatility, would have gotten scooped up a little bit earlier by a contender. Well, that's just it. The guy plays seven positions, and I feel like he just gives you a ton of stability where he can he can be plugged in anywhere on any day. Ideally, you know, he probably would start, you know, only around maybe 100 games at the most. I feel like his numbers are are a lot better, you know, when, you know, when he's not playing every day, because he did seem to get worn out uh, in previous years, but I thought Alex Cora utilized him perfectly. He ended up being a clutch bat off the bench a couple of times, and like Al said, just nobody on the Red Sox more positively impacts the team in the clubhouse more than Brock Holt, and just kind of a bummer to, to see him go and, and, you know, given how affordable, you know, he likely was. And I was watching some MLB network today and they put his numbers up through his first 639 at bats. I don't know if that's his career total or not. And then they, they put Craig council, who's his new manager, his uh, 639 at bats and their numbers were almost identical. So, so Council's getting wow. the you know spitting image of himself basically in terms of stats. So it'll be fun. I watch a lot of Brewers games. I'm I'm a Brewers fan. I love Lorenzo Kane. He's probably my favorite player on that team. I know you know Yelich is obviously a stud, but there's just something about Kane. You know, I I, I like him a lot, and uh, you know, so many likable players. Travis Shaw, of course on the team. Uh, uh, Tra- Travis Shaw's on the Blue Jays. He is, but uh, up until uh, this past season, uh, I think he, okay. yeah, he okay. spent what, three years? Uh, although last year was not a good year, but um, yeah, but it just, it kind of, it helped draw me to that team though, while, while he was playing there. And um, yeah, so kind of a bummer there. Uh, also the, there was a press conference yesterday and I kind of watched it. You can kind of stream them through Facebook. You guys are probably at work while all this is going on and I got my funky work hours. So I'm kind of home, you know, mid morning till mid afternoon. And, uh, you know, I happened to, uh, you know, see it pop up. So I, I watched John Henry, Sam Kennedy, and Tom Warner, you know, address the media about Mookie Betts. And, they just continue to botch it. And I don't know what it is. Like, why can't they just be honest and just matter of fact? They don't have to reveal all the details, but, you know, there's just a lot of dancing around. And John Henry gave an opening statement. And then every time he got a tough question, he literally handed off, handed it off to Warner or Kennedy and it was just kind of a messy interview, and they were trying to justify, you know, trading Mookie, and, and you know, the the theme I, I kept hearing over and over, and it was presented in different ways, but they just kept simply saying, we didn't want him walking away for nothing. You know, we wanted to get something for him, and we felt it was the best thing for the team, and and just, a, just another sloppy press conference from an ownership group that can't get out of its own way. Yeah, you know, I think they'd be a lot better served if they just let Kennedy take these and say they're off with dealing with Liverpool or something and or Warner has to deal with Roseanne Barr. But, yeah, they really should just let Kennedy do all these press conferences. They just keep putting their foot in their mouth. Um, it, it's embarrassing. I didn't get to see it, but I did follow it on Twitter, and I just kept seeing them uh, – Equating this to when they traded Nomar, who was a broken down back nine kind of guy, so uh, they, they clearly just they don't they don't have they don't have their finger on the pulse of the fan base anymore. It's kind of sad to see, but who knows? May, we just got to hope that this return is going to be better than what we expect right now. This ownership stinks. It's just I, I have no other words than that. They just stink. 
I mean, I think they made the right move. They they just don't have the courage to be matter of fact and relatively transparent. Like we don't need the exact dialogue or even the exact numbers in the in the back and forth negotiations, but you know, they can sum it up and just have the balls to stand by the move that they made and I think they made the right move, especially if they don't plan on signing him. I mean, I think Jeter Downs has very good upside, and I'm really intrigued with, uh, is it, his last name's Wong. What's his first name? The Connor. Cat- Connor oh, it, Wong. It is Connor, okay. I thought I was going to botch it if I said that. But, you know, he seems to have, you know, a, a big power bat, hit 20-something home runs in the minors last year, is only projected to be a backup catcher but you never know and you know so i'm kind of curious there and of course we got alex verdugo so um you know some pretty do nice we, pieces that'll balance out the team are we actually ever him? do we know do we know if he's ever gonna play with this bad back well he'll play he has play. he has a stress fracture in his lower back and apparently they've done some imaging on it it is healing and they do expect him to be back, not quite by opening day, but early in the season. And they don't want to rush him. And we're going to get to uh, another potential trade here in a minute that could, you know, help offset that. Well, Verdugo's not back, but but you know, the durability is a concern. And, you know, hopefully, you know, he gets on a program. Hopefully guys like Bogarts, JD, get a hold of him and, you know, just kind of, you know, get him reined in and, and in shape and hopefully the durability issues, uh, you know, won't won't be a factor here. Uh, he is 23 years old. He's got five more years of control left. So, I mean, his walk year is his age 28, 29 season, depending on when his birthday is. So, you know, we're, we're essentially getting him, you know, for the better part of his prime. So, you know, hopefully he's not going to be a J.D. Drew type guy who happened to come from the same team. Let me uh, let me just I, I wrote down this, uh, you know, I, this is my final hot take on passing on Mookie Betts. And this is every single postseason in the last decade, 2010 through through 2019. OK, I'm going to list Every single position player making north of $200 million that actually made it into the postseason. And spoiler alert, the list is not very long. I'm going to breeze right through this. So again, this is position players making north of $200 million for the life of their contract. I'm going to start it in 2010. Only one player making north of two hundred made it into the postseason. Alex Rodriguez with the New York Yankees. In 2011, nobody was in the playoffs making north of $200 million. Nobody. 2012, the only player to get in again with the Yankees, Alex Rodriguez. 2013, the year the Boston Red Sox won the World Series, nobody was making north of $200 million. And this is American League and National League. In the playoffs, there's no $200 million contract in the playoffs. 2014, two players got in. Prince Fielder with the Detroit Tigers. Alex Pujols with the Los Angeles Angels uh, of Anaheim. Both those players got in, uh, you know, 2014. 2015, Alex Rodriguez, again, with the Yankees, got into the postseason. That was only the wild card, which they got tossed. Dalex Keuchel kind of Cy Younged them before winning the award about a month later. He was the only player, again, to get in that year. 2016, nobody uh, making $200 million or more was in the playoffs. 2017, nobody was making $200 million or more in the playoffs. 2018, only player to get in, Giancarlo Stanton with the Yankees. Strikeout machine. Red Sox also won the World Series that year. Finally, 2019, again, Giancarlo Stanton, the only player making north of $200 million, uh, to make it into the playoffs. And I think he played very limited games and, and got hurt again. And so that's it. Over the course of the last decade, 
one, two, three, four players making north of $200 million got into the playoffs. None of them won a World Series. Alex Rodriguez did it in 2009, uh, excuse me, 2009 with the Yankees, but um, that, that's the only time it's ever happened, ever, you know, that, that you know, a World Series winner was making that much. And again, this is position players only. So not a good track record for big contracts. And Mookie Betts is projected to get double that. So I think the Red Sox absolutely made the right move. I think history is on their side here. It's not going to be on the side of whoever does sign Mookie Betts. And a contract like that tends to be a roadblock. And I guess, you know, that's that's what I've got. You know, that's my basically my final hot take about Mookie Betts. Loved the player in Boston. Hate to see him go. Understand why he had to go. Let's just move on. It is what it is. Yeah, um, it's just it's time to turn the page. We could talk about it all season. Um there's really no point in harping on it. So just got to hope hope for the best. And, you know, probably not this year they'll be using that money. But uh, next offseason when uh, you got a good amount of guys coming, coming on in the market, hopefully we can end up signing one of those. And uh, my final thought here uh, also about ownership groups since, you know, that was the lead-in to Mookie. Don't you think going forward – isn't it in the best interest of this ownership group to simply say one way or the other whether they're going to pursue Mookie Betts next winter? I mean, if the answer is no, shouldn't they be doing it right now while we're pissed off anyway? I don't know. I don't think it benefits them either way. If they say no, people are going to be even more mad. They're going to say, what are you going to do with that money? And if they say yes, then fans are going to get their hopes up like they did when the trade looked like looked like it was in limbo. So I think at this point, if they come out and say anything, they're probably just going to make things worse with their track record. So they might as well just let it be, turn the page, and start the new season, in my opinion. Couldn't have said that any better. I'm with you. I, w- I would have just got it out of the way. I mean, like I said earlier, you know, the they said so many times, so many different ways that we didn't want him walking away for nothing. Like, they didn't express any interest in, in potentially signing him. So, I would just, I don't know. I just would have got it out of the way. You know, the, the Section 10 guys are going to make an entire season out of, he's coming back. He's probably coming back. A player who knows another player who knows another player told me that he 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 really wants to come back, and I'm just like, ugh, he's not coming back, and uh, you know, so it's just I I'd hate to listen to it, and you know, the beat writers are gonna feed off of that, you know, all season long uh, themselves, and I'm just like, ugh, just end it. L- but listen, 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 I'm with you. I don't think they're gonna resign him either. The only thing I'm going to say is crazier shit has happened. Not going to say it's going to work. Not going to say it's a definite because obviously it's not. We gave our percentages on the podcast account and everything. But you never know. That's all I'm going to say. You never know. All right. Uh, So finally, uh, well, I shouldn't say finally, but uh, a little bit more news today. It was revealed a... um, a newspaper out of uh, San Diego revealed that the Red Sox and the Padres are still talking about a potential uh, trade uh, involving Will Myers. We don't really have any names uh, coming from the Red Sox in that deal, but the Padres are still expected to basically, uh, you know, eat half the money and include a pitching prospect in the deal. So, uh, Andrew, you've kind of been up on this all day. Uh, Go ahead and break down, you know, the pros and cons uh, about, you know, that potentially happening. Yeah, so Kevin Acey came out with an interesting article today on San Diego saying that A.J. Preller is still looking to move Will Myers and so his contract was uh, set up in s- such a way that the deferrals and the money 
pretty much made it so that if the Red Sox take on 30 million of it, only 16 of his current uh, dollar amount is hitting the salary cap. So if the Red Sox took it, it gets cut in half. So essentially, they're going to be paying, I think, it, in the weirdest ways ever, um, according to Red Sox stats on Twitter, they'd be paying about like 3.8 uh, million um, annually against the cap, which is great. You still pay the real money, but the stuff that matters when it comes down to roster crunches, um, it, you're you're getting a player for pretty much replacement level value, uh, monetary value. So I'm really excited for this. If they can manage to pull this off and use some of this money that they just freed up with price and bets and who knows, maybe you can get a Luis Camposano in there, great catching prospect, uh, number 50 overall in the by MLB pipeline right now. You can just add that to the Mookie Hall because essentially that trade made it happen. So anything that comes of this – uh, that's going to be part of that deal. So it looks a little bit better on Bloom's end. And uh, this would be a really forward-thinking move that the Red Sox have the ability to uh, pull off here by using their big market money. Um, obviously, it would be really nice if they can get a Cal Quantrill, who's been okay. Uh, he was a top, I think, top 10 draft pick a few years ago. Hasn't panned out too much, but you never know. Uh, change of scenery sometimes helps these guys. So... If we can pull this off in the next you know, week or two, which I assume they'd be trying to do with spring training uh, kicking off, uh, this could be a really nice really nice uh, piece of the puzzle ad by Bloom. And Bloom is obviously very familiar with him because Myers did come out of the uh, Tampa system before he was traded to the Royals and yep. um, the pitcher there. Uh, or, no, was James the other Shields. Way around was Shields. Shields. I think in, they got him. Kansas City first Shields, right? Or was it? Oh, is that how it worked? Yeah, that yeah, that was how it worked. Was. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Uh, he was a very highly touted prospect, uh, top five when he came up. Because I remember, I was like, oh wow, the Red Sox are gonna have to deal with this guy for years to come. But turns out he actually ended up helping them in the playoffs. So yeah, because they had fly ball to right field. I think he lost it in the sun or something, and then the the fans started chanting his name every time you know he was in the lineup, and it was crazy. And now, well, you know, we could be chanting him again. Uh, Al, thoughts <laughs> on Will Myers? Uh, so with the Myers deal, I've also been hearing rumblings that that could mean that Jackie Bradley's contract could be out of here. And Terry knows that I am the number one resident of the Jackie Bradley Jr. hate fan club. Um, so if that is the case and Jackie Bradley is involved in this deal, and if what Andrew's saying is true, that the Red Sox could only pay like $3.8 million a year for Myers, I'm okay with it. Because you know what? You're replacing – you already have Kevin Pillar as your – Basically, Jackie Bradley 2.0, but the difference is, is nobody's expecting Pilar to have a big year at the plate, and it seems like every season, Jackie Bradley's expected to do big things in spring training, and then he goes and hits 230. But you bring in a guy like Myers, a little bit better offensively, in my opinion, you know, and another righty bat in the lineup, then you might as well pull the trigger on it. Yeah, and Bradley's not getting any younger. This is his age 30 season. So if they can find a way to move that $11 million in this deal for a player that I think would intrigue um, the Padres with that big outfield out there, I think you got to do it. And just a little clarification because I do have the tweet in front of me now um, just for the listeners out there. So per Red Sox stats, uh, anything the Padres send gets taken off equally off his CBT numbers of the 13.8. So if they sent $30 million over, that means for the next three years, Myers would only count towards the cap uh, with $3.8 million, which that that's just – that's chump change. You're, that's a, a, a beat-up reliever at the end of his career. So this could work out really well, especially if – you know, he has a little career resurgence and then you flip him to another team and eat that. God, you can get some really good prospects at the end of the day. So it's, it's just, a really good risk. Just get Jackie Bradley off my team, please. <laughs> 
It's, Do we move Puig if we get Bradley out? Because I, I really want that to happen. I would be uh, fine. Just anybody that can hit a baseball <laughs> that plays outfield, please. It's a uh, it's a flippable contract too. If the Red Sox want to just you know turn it over to another team at the end of the year, uh, Myers yeah. is a righty, which, as Al said, we desperately do need because we are kind of lefty heavy. Um, you know, especially towards the you know the the one through six part of the lineup. You know, just trying to stagger these guys. We don't even really know who our leadoff hitter is right now, and. I'm not overly comfortable with Ben and Tendy. I mean, it's worth a shot. Oh, and I, I, yeah, and I hope it works out, but not a lot of comfort there. And I'm not saying Myers will, but there's just a lot of question marks about the alignment of our one through six. But Myers is uh, tw- uh, 29 years old. He does have some injury uh, history. In 2015, he was limited to just 60 games 2016, though, and 2017, he played 157 and then 155. Injured again in 2018, only 83 games, but is coming off of a 155-game season in um, 2019. So three out of his last four years, he did play north of 150 games. Looking at his home run total... Um, 2016, 28 bombs, 2017, he hit 30, uh, 2018, he was injured only 11 and then 18 last season. Uh, so definitely some pop there. Uh, let's see, looking at his, uh, his average, you know, he's in the, you know, the 250, 260 range. Um, you know, his OBP is around, you know, the three thirties slugging percentage mid fours, um, you know, and actually his OPS, surprisingly, he's never been above, uh, 800 in the five years he's with the Padres. So, uh, well, he was 797 and 792, but I, I would have expected that number to be just a little higher, uh, you know, in some, some of those years, but, um, but for 3.8 million, you could do a lot worse. You certainly uh, can. You could have <laughs> Jackie Bradley. And fall for this year. So why not get uh, Will Myers in for 3.8? I, 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 I'm really hoping that I see a Jeff Passon tweet tonight that this ended up going through. Yeah, and it, it sounds like there's certainly momentum there. Um, also, the, there's a question on where he could potentially play because he he would make an interesting platoon with with uh, Mitch Moreland at first base being where one's a lefty, mm-hmm. one's a righty, and then you can kind of mix in some other bats in the outfield. Um, so I'm just kind of I, – I guess there would be more room in the outfield if Bradley does, in fact, get peddled. But where do you see him slotting in? I mean, ideally, you'd probably want to hide him at first base as much as you possibly can. Um, But, yeah, if Bradley's in this deal, then you have Pilar in center. Um, You need a right fielder. Uh, It's not going to be Benintendi. I I, I would not want to see Andrew Benintendi in right field. Um, He might be looking at bringing someone in because I don't – uh, yeah, I'm... or or you do this. You keep Mitch Moreland at first base because you keep the glove there. And don't forget, before Moreland got hurt last year, the first month or two of the season, who was the Red Sox best hitter? Yeah, Mitch he Moreland. Killed- he was killing it. So you keep Moreland at first base. You put Pilar in center. There's your replacement for Jackie Bradley defensively. You keep Benintendi in left field. You put Myers in right. You keep J.D. Martinez full-time DH. There you go. Problem solved. I wonder if you could even put um, Pilar in right and move Benintendi to center. Because I think Benintendi could handle center and then get players in left. But the thing is, Pilar has had most of his starts in center field in his major league career. So so you want to do it that way. You want to put the guy in the position to succeed. Pilar succeeds in center field, especially if Bradley Jr. is gone. You know, it looks like um, Will Myers played 66 games in center field last year. That's a lot more uh, games in center. I, I thought he would have been 
I mean, I didn't expect it to be that that number to be over one. Quite frankly, <laughs> I'm with you. Ben Intendi as a center fielder, as I've said on previous episodes, would not be any worse than Jacoby Ellsbury. Neither one has a great arm, but they can cover a lot of ground. You know, defensively, you know, very good in that regard. Uh, you know, right field, you you need a big arm out there. It's the biggest right field in Major League Baseball, so. Um, you know, that's a tough one. How, how good of an arm does Pilar have? Um, you know, I'm not too sure. I, I never saw any highlights of his arms. Only saw, you know, the highlights of him laying out. I think it's average, maybe a little above average at best. Yeah. Cause I mean, that would have to be the fit if, if Myers was going to, you know, going the outfield, you'd probably play him in left, you know, off the monster. But it's going to be interesting. And where does Michael Chavis fit in with all this? I mean, somebody has well, to be the odd man out. They can't. They already had said um, probably close to a month now ago that he was going to be the utility guy this year. So I think they had Peraza penciled in at second and um chavis going in and filling in where he needed to be whether it be you know first or second or occasionally at third if Dever ne- devers needs a day off me, me personally i would flip that i would i would personally go chavis at second because i want his bat in the lineup did you guys see how he looked the other day on his uh social media he's put on some pounds and in a good way hopefully he's off the steroids Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But assuming he's off the juice and everything, the guy looks good. Peraza, I would love off the bench as a pinch runner type, uh, late game defensive replacement. But again, that's just me. Truthfully, I think um, you might be looking at your leadoff guy in Peraza if it's not been intended. If he can revert to 2018 form when he hit over 300, then that could be an interesting possibility. One of these guys is going to want to be, you know, on the Boston Red Sox and they're going to they're going to pull through and they're going to rise to the occasion. I just I don't remember coming into a season like this where we have a surplus in the infield, we have a surplus in the outfield and just trying to guess where they all fit because there's only going to be what three guys on the bench I think one of them's the backup catcher so you got two more spots to squeeze in whoever you know (laughs) and then there's Chris Sale wait hang on one more thing uh before we do move on uh to Sale um Cal Quantrill uh, as uh Andrew said is probably going to be the pitcher coming back in the deal. That's the name that keeps getting brought up. And I got his game logs from last year. He made several starts, um, but in his he had a 5.16 ERA in his fifth to last start. So it would have been his last start in August. Gave up eight runs. Gave up eight earned runs in his next start, and then eight earned runs in his next start after that. So he got lit up brutally three times in a row late in the year. Uh, he And then he got off to, uh, he, well, he didn't really get off to a bad start. He, he only had one bad start in April where he gave up uh, five earned runs. But there's a lot of games where he, you know, basically quality starts and, there was, there's, it looks like he was utilized as a reliever in there as well. There's a couple of uh, two inning appearances, but, but you look at the ERA, not very good. But then when you look at the game logs, there was quite a few times where, you know, he he had either a quality start or a solid relief outing. So, you know, maybe I, mean, I was just gonna was say. Drafted overall just a just less than four years ago so you know the pedigree's there um and he was you know ranked a top 50 prospect by baseball america i think twice so i it's it's a good wild card if it works it does if if it works it works it's great if it doesn't you spent what three million dollars of your salary to you know acquire this guy right and i mean are we fairly confident that bradley will go the other way in the deal that would free up roughly 11 million. Um, I, you know, I, 
I saw it in a couple spots that they mentioned that he could be the piece. I haven't seen anything too substantial on that. I don't know if uh, if um, anyone else has, but yeah, I, I was just looking around um, here now, and it, it's just a, a lot of baseless speculation uh, from what I can see. Just so. And actually, just to kind of kind of build off of this a little bit. The Red Sox signed Jonathan Lucroy to a minor league deal. Very decent numbers offensively, like mid 250s, but you know, he's you know consistent in that regard. Been around a while, 33 years old, veteran guy. Uh, just kind of an interesting move. We have Kevin Plo- Plowecki, who will definitely be the backup, you know, similar to how Sandy Leone was. And I'm just wondering here, I, I don't know what San Diego's catching situation is, but could Christian Vasquez be in this deal? Uh, no. no. No way. No I'm way. pretty sure San, Di- San Diego is a really good young catcher, I think, right? Let me look it up. I'm for some reason I'm drawing a blank here, but I'm, I really thought they had a uh, really good young catcher. I know they no. got a high end prospect that they didn't want to get rid of, but I don't. At Campazano, some of these guys just don't like pitching to to him, and I think one way or another, it may, maybe there is no way Vasquez is involved in any deal, but Chris Sale is gonna is probably going to have a lot of say as to who the odd man out ends up being, whether it's Lucroy or Plowecki. I mean, the thing is, right, especially with Vasquez taking a big step forward with his offensive numbers last year, the Red Sox already loved him from a defensive standpoint. So I, I just don't see any chance that Vasquez would be involved in this deal. As far as Lucroy goes, maybe if he could just catch on, you know, maybe get to last spot on the 25-man roster somehow and, you know, he can give you something off the bench as far as a bat goes. I mean, low risk, high reward, right? Yeah, and so San Diego's catcher is Francisco Mejia. He was acquired oh. for Brad Hand. He was that top catching prospect. He was a top 20 guy. So, yeah, they're pretty much set there. So that's, I think, another reason why Camposano could be in play if the Red Sox did send a little bit of something over there, which that would just be a steal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Lucroy, what did he have his neck fixed recently that's been bothering the last four years? So who knows? It could be a little uh, lightning in a barrel situation. Well, Jake Marisnik ran him over like a Mack truck. Last oh, year, killed him. Yeah, that was brutal. I I wasn't a fan of that, and he expressed remorse and did all the right things after. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on Marisnik too much. But um, was the one where Adi Molina flipped out, didn't he? Like go on Twitter or something after that, and he was really angry about it. He might have. I I didn't hear of it, but it does sound like something Molina would do. <laughs> Yeah, let, let me just add one more caveat, caveat, whatever, to the uh, Vasquez thing. If he doesn't go to San Diego, I mean, his value is as high as it's ever going to be. And the only guy he can pitch to is Eduardo Rodriguez. <laughs> that we know of. He can't He can't pitch to Chris Sale. Sale's ERA is like over six with Vasquez, or maybe that was last season but not very good numbers there. I don't know. Can, can you tell I'm not a Vasquez guy? I don't have a punching bag anymore. Mookie's gone. And not that Mookie was a bad player, but I was really frustrated. You know, he you know he wouldn't negotiate. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know who my, you know, who that's going to be. It probably won't be Vasquez, but I'm just, that's not a T-shirt you'll ever see me wearing. I like Vasquez, um, but yeah, you got a point. He is at—I mean, his value is at his all-time highest. So, if you could move him, um, whether it be now or at the deadline, if you do happen to acquire, you know, a Camposano or something like that, because obviously Lucroy is not going to be your long-term solution. Uh, I say go for it because his cheap years are coming to an end, and we all know catchers tend to age like milk. So. Um, if you can get a really nice piece for him, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Bloom if, if he did it. 
Carabas is going to do the the Mookie propaganda all year. I might start the Sandy Leone propaganda, you know, in in terms of, you know, pitch calling. I value that. I value that. You know, chemistry is a a big thing. But, all right, so uh, moving on, uh, Christopher Sale. A little bit of mixed signals, but he was throwing yesterday. I did watch him throw in, in part of a workout and, you know, I, I don't know what type of velocity if he was throwing a hundred percent, but you know, he, he was definitely uh, pitching to one of the catchers during a workout, and you know, his delivery looked good, um, you know, and all, all of his mechanics looked good. So you know, we we heard that he was sick, and then you know, immediately because the Red Sox lie all the time, especially about injuries. I'm thinking, uh oh, you know, his elbows barking, and then, and then, uh, what's his name? The manager there, Ron Rennick, he said a couple of days ago that he might miss opening day because he had pneumonia, and that's like five, six weeks away, something like that. I mean, so how confident are you guys that he's going to be good to go? I might be the odd man out here, but I'm very confident because uh, you know what? I'm there with you. <laughs> okay, beautiful. I'm just I'm glad that I'm not the only one. But it, the thing is, with Chris Sale, yes, he's a competitor. Yes, he'll take the ball anytime unless he physically can't. He literally came out and said, this is the best I've felt in a couple of years. And I don't think he's saying that unless he truly means it. I don't think he's one of these guys that just tries to appease for PR reasons like, you know, the Red Sox ownership. But, you know, he's the type of guy, he's going to compete, he wants the ball, so you know what? I think he's going to be ready to go come opening day. Yeah, I think Chris Sale's going to be fine. Um, I, I think we're going to see a pretty solid season out of him this year. Uh, pretty actually excited to watch him play. Um, I was never a huge advocate of re-signing him, per se. Uh, I thought that, you know, after winning the World Series, that they kind of had a grace period where they could have moved him uh without too much pushback but um yeah i th- I, th- I really do think he's gonna be fine with a prp injection he had so uh obviously people are probably gonna freak out when his velocity is gonna be down a little bit to start the season but i i think he's gonna be fine i'm an extreme pessimist i mean he might be cy young form for two three maybe four months but I just feel like he is going to break down. You know, he's a, he's he's more of a gamer than Clay Buckholtz was, one million percent. But the durability, the breakdown factor is exactly the same, you know, with both of them. And, you know, skinny frames, I just, I, I can't imagine he's going to throw more than 150 solid innings in and then, you know, even – and then maybe I feel like I'm even being too optimistic with that. I mean, his two out pitches are his fastball up and away, which everybody stops swinging at. Nobody swings at that anymore. I don't think they're suddenly going to be fooled by it again in, you know, 2020. And then he's got a slider down and in, which he does locate and he does get punch outs on. But I just – too many sliders, not good for his elbow. That's one of the nastiest deliveries I've ever seen. And uh, I just can't imagine he's, you know, it's going to hold up. But do you here? But here's the thing. Would, do you want Chris Sale for that three, four months if he's a dominant Chris Sale? Or would you rather not have him at all? To answer your question, I mean... The offense in 2018, you know, put the rest of the guys on its back. I just, I think that year was an anomaly. And I'd just rather have somebody else in the rotation that can pitch six hard months and and give us a chance to win, you know, even if it's not the sexiest of names, you know, I just. So, so, so So give me an example. Who would you rather have than Chris Sale? If I could just go get a guy. It, let, let's make it realistic. Let's not make it like Garrett Cole because we know Garrett Cole. <laughs> no, I know that's no. your guy. No, no, I wasn't going to go there. I, I, when I said someone that gives us a chance to win, 
I mean, another Eduardo Rodriguez type guy would be fine, you know, with this offense. Someone or here's a here's a better example. We just we just traded him, but David Price, if he had the balls to face the Yankees and you know actually liked playing here and and embodied the Red Sox, he might pitch a, a three sixty ERA, three seventy at this point in his career. Like that's a very good year for him, but that's the type of production I would take <laughs> over over a giant wild card like Chris Sale. Okay. All right. I'm not going to – I'm a big Chris Sale guy. I've been a Chris Sale guy since he was in Chicago. Loved the day that he came to Boston. So he's going to be – I'm going to ride or die with Sale. That's just – that's me. Your David Price example is fine. Like I understand where you're coming from. But still, give me the guy that for three, four months can dominate and then we'll deal with the rest after. Because you got to win in April – and in May, and in June, before we can even start thinking about the later months. And with Chris Sale on your baseball team, he gives you a better chance to win more games. I I mean, maybe we take the the modern-day NBA approach and, you know, do a little load management with him. You know, skip a start here, there, try to keep him down to the mid-20s instead of 30 to 35 a season, and, you know, just manage it that way, because do you have to really throw him out there on a – random Saturday against the Royals or, you know, just one of those crap teams that if, if the offense shows up, should win anyways. So if you can just spot start a guy like a, Ta- a Tanner Houck or someone um, just throughout the season, I say go for it. Uh, you know, maybe that's your opener day. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know who they would throw in there or Ryan Weber, but maybe he just uh, manages his, his – uh, workload through the air and only give him 20 to 25 starts it's just too predictable to me i mean 2015 was his last year that he pitched from start to finish really hard he ran out of gas in late 2016 with the white Sox. ran out of gas with the red Sox a lot in 2017 a lot of people forget that that lead we had in the al east that year almost evaporated like Coming down to just the last handful of games, we might have had to play a game 163 against the Yankees, but luckily they ended up losing a game or two, and and we ended up winning the division. Didn't do us any good because we had to play the Astros, who may have been banging on trash cans while you know, we were there, but... Um, but sale runs out of gas that year, no injury, just stamina issues, you know, two years in a row. And then two years in a row after that, you know, injury problems, you know, shoulder issues. And some people are quick to tell me, oh, well, they, they just saved him, you know, and didn't start him because they could, but that that's not true. His, his timetable kept getting pushed back further and further. And then when he got into the playoffs, you know, he, he only pitched one game in each series and his tentative second start in each series kept getting pushed back and he didn't ultimately make a second start in any of those series. And then finally in, in 2019, the elbow issues cropped up. It, it was the shoulder in 2018, elbow issues 2019 and load management sounds awesome, but in his second or third to last start last year, he was pitching in the eighth inning in early August against the Royals with an eight to one lead. And Alex Cora, who preached load management during spring training, started these guys super slow. What was he thinking? You know, why did, why did sale have to be in there? And I just, I can't help but be a pessimist. You know, the, the trajectory just keeps nosediving, you know, steeper and steeper. So I do like Chris Sale. I mean, I'm probably coming off as a hater right now. I'm pessimistic for sure. But, you know, he is a guy that I like when he is healthy. No problem pitching in Boston. Like, he can handle handle the moment. And I love that about him. But I just, I just, I get so frustrated, Um, you know. And I'm especially frustrated because, we didn't have to sign him a year early. Yeah. We No, definitely not. They had they the, 
luxury of you know waiting for that option and people would people were telling me at the time oh but he could end up being way more expensive if he wins the Cy Young and you know what that's a price I would pay I'm not huge on spending on position players like like you know mega money you know but I'll spend on pitching if if we were in a position to sign Garrett Cole this offseason I would have given him that contract the guy has perfect mechanics absolutely perfect mechanics. He's going to pitch fine throughout his 30s, much like John Lester, much like Verlander. And uh, Scherzer, you know, will be, I think, 36 this year. Dude's been a horse. I think I think Cole is going to be of that same exact mold. And, you know, we made a lot of bad decisions, you know, coming into this year. So we weren't able to make a play for him. But but, you know, we got a guy like Sale with terrible mechanics and just, like I said, just a, a downward trajectory. I'm very sad about this conversation now. <laughs> I'm, ve- I'm very sad. I'm sorry. Please, 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 please don't take away the one player I still like on this team. Chris Sale? But, no, I actually – Oh yeah, I'm, like oh, I told you, I'm a he, huge Chris Sale. Guy. He ain't going anywhere. <laughs> no, I know that's why I'm happy. Yeah. No, but I mean, like with Devers and Ben and uh, Benintendi, Martinez, Bogarts, obviously. But pitching, I guess it's just from playing days and everything. Just seeing the competitiveness and the fire in Chris Sale, and like you said, he's able to handle Boston. So that's just that's my reasons for loving him and supporting him. So. You know, but you know the mechanics are an issue, so I I do see what you're saying there too. Yeah, I, I like him, and nobody wants me to be wrong about him. You know, this season more than, you. More than I do. Yeah, if if he pitches well, and that that's totally good. Yeah, do you got one more thing to add, Andrew, or no? No, I. It's just going to be a wait and see with sale, and I'm just optimistic at this point. So Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much – that's uh, that's my stance on that. Another hot topic throughout the week, the Astros are having their own media meltdown, had a terrible you know press conference uh, over the weekend with the owner and all the players, and, and some of them said the right things, especially – uh, Carlos Correa, but then the very next day he gets chirped by Cody Bellinger and just loses his mind and media tirade. And the buzzer thing just won't go away. It just absolutely won't go away. And, you know, it it kind of it kind of got refueled by that interview that A.J. Hinch had with Tom Verducci when the buzzer question got mentioned. He just kind of deferred to the commissioner's report, a very lawyer-esque type answer. And so just a huge flare-up as far as the buzzers go. So we've kind of, you know, tweeted about it, you know, our stance or whatever. But where are you guys with the buzzers? Is it a thing or is it... Paranoia and conspiracy theories. I don't. I mean, I I want to believe they were using them because I think that'd be hilarious and everything would go to shit. But I, I really don't think they were. I think we would have gotten some substantial evidence at this point um, if there was. So I think right now it's just uh, a lot of people just trying to add some fuel fuel to the fire. But the thing is, too, you think about it. Jose Altuve is coming out and saying that the reason he didn't take his jersey off after, you know, the home run to go to the World Series is because he has a bad tattoo on his collarbone. Like, <laughs> like, come on. He like, did. Uh, why, was it yesterday? He made a point of walking through the uh, club. Yeah, he, he walked shirtless through the <laughs> locker room to show off the tattoo. It's like that's the most far fetched story. I think something happened here. I think they were wearing something because you know what? I get the that there would be more news about that, Andrew. I'm with you, but it just seems to me like to come up with an excuse like that to try to defend yourself after you're clearly guilty of doing something. I I think they were doing something with the buzzers. There was something there. 
I'm Mr. Conspiracy Theory myself, and this goes to several things, not, e not even baseball related, you know, several controversies throughout recent and distant history. I love a good conspiracy theory. When the, when the uh, trash can thing came out, I immediately bought it. You could see it, you know, John Boy, you know, within the Yankees fan base, you know, made some excellent presentations, which we all saw. It was very believable. You could see it. You could hear it. And I never doubted the trash can, you know, part of the controversy. The buzzers thing to me is a very tough sell. And here's some reasons here. Number one, the Astros did not win a single home game during the World Series. Could not win at home. In game one, the round before against the Yankees, in game one of the ALCS, they got completely shut out that game. Tanaka shut them down. They did not score a single run that whole game. Game five, they only scored one run. Uh, James Paxton shut them down. They needed all five games to beat the Tampa Bay Rays, who, granted, were a good team, but the Astros were a better team, and they still needed all five games when you go to the, uh, that last inning, that last bottom half of the ninth inning against Chapman, Springer was the batter before Altuve, and there were two outs in the inning. And Chapman threw a slider down and in, caught the bottom corner for the strike. Great pitch, strike one, and then proceeded to throw four straight balls against him, uh, which was a mix of breaking and fastballs. So Springer gets on, Chapman just doesn't have it, and after throwing four straight balls against Springer, throws two balls against Altuve. Both of those were uh, fastballs up and away out of the zone. Altuve apparently loves chasing the high fastballs. Those weren't even close. He Altuve was never going to swing at those. Chapman finally, after six straight balls, does uh, throw a strike, a slider middle in, which I'm surprised Altuve wouldn't have crushed. That pitch would have been tailor-made for Mookie Betts, who loves middle in, but that was a strike. And then he threw a, a slider high in the zone, and Altuve mangled it. And I just, Chapman just wasn't, just didn't have it, and he, he was trying not to pitch to Altuve, and especially with fastballs, because Altuve's a fastball hitter. And, you know, runner on base, bottom of the ninth. Jake Marisnik was up. I think I think Chapman would have rather have pitched to him, but it's just far-fetched to me that Jose Altuve knew what was coming. And the other thing here is, like, what is the buzzer? Like, what is actually attached to them? And who has the trigger? Who Who is signaling to them? Like, we don't know any of this. Like, there's no imagination about this out there right now. Nobody's talking about this last part, you know, actually executing it. We don't know what type of devices were used. Where was this guy positioned? Where was where was the live feed for him to get it? It wasn't in the video room because they had cameras there. So that that wasn't where he was. It's just it's a tough sell to me and I have no problem like if somebody gives me some hardcore evidence and says, okay, this is probably how it was, and, and it's a solid presentation, and, and and if it was believable, I just it's it's just not believable to me right now. And and how how were how was this working on the road? You know, when they were winning those games in um, in Washington, so. <laughs> And, and then finally, if there was evidence of this and they were doing it, would it really make a difference? Like, would the public perception be any different? I mean, I think they're at rock bottom right now. I, I just so I, mean, I, I, I let all me of, all let, they got out of it was a piece of metal. Yeah, right. Like the commissioner said, that's all it was a piece of metal. Um, I get, let me just ask you this. What incentive yeah. at this point does the commissioner have to cover this up? Cause it doesn't make sense to me. And for the trash cans alone, they, 
they apparently talked several hours, you know, MLB officials about stripping them of that piece of metal. And I just, it's just, I just can't, can't believe it. Oh, and the other thing too, Altuve didn't use the trash can. He, he wasn't in favor of that. It messed him up. It messed with his mojo. Apparently a couple of times inadvertently he was, he did get a signal and then immediately went into the clubhouse to chew the guy out for doing it because he didn't want it. And, you know, so 99.9% of the time he wasn't getting, he wasn't even getting the trash can. So why all of a sudden is he wearing a buzzer? It's so hard to put together. I, I really can't even begin to make guesses for their reasoning behind it at this point. Um, some of the players denied using in the postseason, and now Manfred came out and said that they were. Um, I just saw that from via Heyman not too long not too long ago. It's just a disaster. Uh, um, I think Manfred just thinks this is gonna go away. But it's not. It's just going to linger. Well, it's going to linger because guys are going to be getting hit left and right, too, the whole season. Astros guys are going to be getting nailed. They're going to have high on base percentages for for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I find it interesting. (laughs) That's that's a a positive way to look at it. Yeah. No, I know. (laughs) I had uh, a picture of uh, Max, uh, Jeff of Max Stassi, you know, getting hit in the head. And I'm sure that wasn't, you know, intentional, but I use that as the example of the hit by pitch and them having, you know, high OBPs. But uh, we're getting ready to wrap here. Uh, Final question. We don't really have to spend much time on it, but the commissioner is uh, proposing, and I don't know if the official proposal is actually out being looked at by the owners, but the concept of it, uh, you know, is being talked about in the media where they want to expand the postseason to 14 teams. There's currently 10. They want to add four. Basically, the the best record in both leagues would automatically get a buy into the ALDS for having the best record. And then the three remaining best teams, I'm assuming division winners and then one other team, would face the next three best teams in a best two out of three series with the winners of those getting into the ALDS. What do you guys think of this? It's it's a terrible idea. And I swear the only reason he put out such a terrible idea was to distract, to, uh, distract us from the Houston situation because it's so stupid. You pick your own opponent and all that. Yeah, it, it's it's really dumb. I'm not a fan of it either. Just keep it how it is. It's fine how it is. You got the you know three division winners, and then you got the two teams playing for a wild card. I'm fine with it the way I'm fine with it the way it is. Don't make any changes unless it's really necessary, and it's not necessary. They're just Plain diluting simple. it. They're they're fi- they're trying to find ways to get Mike Trout into the postseason so he can be one and done again. And how about the how about the Angels actually make good decisions? <laughs> and they they won't, you know, because Artie Moreno has to be involved in everything. He's the worst owner in sports, worse than Jerry Jones of the Cowboys. I can't stand that guy. Uh, the, the Knicks, the Knicks owner is pretty bad too. Oh, James I, Dolan. I heard that actually. So I'll defer to you on that because I'm not a basketball guy, but um, I, I have heard he is. No, but he's he's up there. No, but you no, know, he's he's up there too. So, yeah, so, oh, I, I feel I feel bad for Mike Trout. I really do, man. The just, I guess I'll just wrap my part of it up with this nothing is good enough for this commissioner and you know he added the well actually it was technically Seelig who added the extra wild card in uh 2012 roughly and you know they've changed the second base rules can't break up a double play they want the pitch clock we're gonna have robot umps we're gonna have starting this year a three batter minimum like they are gonna keep fixing this sport until it breaks you know I part of the reason I'm a baseball fan was I fell in love with the tradition of it and he's just absolutely destroying it and he's never going to go back on a lot of these because he's never going to admit he was wrong 
and and that it was a dumb idea in the first place. So I I hate it as much as anyone. He's literally going up to Roger Goodell and say and Goodell saying, I'm the worst commissioner in all of sports. Rob Manfred saying, Hold my beer. That's literally what's happening here. Andrew, final thoughts? I yeah, Manfred, I, I hope that he does institute something so stupid that it gets him fired because um yeah i i want him gone it, it's just pathetic at this point so whatever he can do to get himself fired i'm all for it i hope the owners don't bring him back but i think they like him but anyway we'll uh we'll call it a show we did basically accomplish that it's 10 p.m on the button thank you guys for joining me and uh if the myers things materialize maybe we'll be back within the next few days yeah it's definitely something we'll have to keep our eye on and um yeah we can hop on and definitely uh give our input once that finally hopefully happens love it have a good night gentlemen take care guys have a good night episode i don't even know what episode this is but i'm like i said just glad we are talking baseball there's plenty of topics to be discussed hope you guys enjoyed the show we'll be back uh you know basically as things develop could have a ruling next week or maybe it's the week after we didn't discuss the investigation tonight but plenty of things upcoming maybe we acquire a pitcher Will Myers, a lot to uh, be keeping an eye on right now. Cal Quantrill, after looking at his game logs, I'm kind of an optimist. So we'll uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, have a good rest of your work week. Take care. <laughs>